What's good, everybody? Welcome back to the All Things Basketball podcast. I'm your host, Vic Lopez, as always, and I'm finally here to bring you my deep dive slash analysis on all the games I've watched for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, I've watched basically every game. I think the only game I didn't catch uh, accidentally was Cavs versus Knicks. Uh, other than that, I watched every game, uh, even up until last night. I watched it live, the Celtics versus Cavs rematch. Obviously, it's the second time they've met up already, um, and it was everything to expect and more. I've learned a lot watching this team, even if I have a small sample size. Obviously, it's just the beginning of the season, uh, but I am enjoying uh, covering the NBA this way. Um, obviously, I might do make some changes here and there. Uh, maybe maybe get a smaller sample size uh, because a lot of games kind of go by uh, without me being able to watch them because I'm so focused on watching um, a good group of games from the same team so that I can give you guys a breakdown of what I'm seeing. And so, yeah, this is the episode for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Whoever's a Donovan Mitchell fan, whoever's a Cavs fan or just an NBA fan that wants to learn a little more about this rising team in the Eastern Conference, uh, stay tuned. Uh, but yeah, let's get right into it. amazing awesome experience like I said in that intro uh it was just I mean the Cavs have just I mean I knew the Cavs were going to be a good team I knew they were going to be a solid team I knew they were going to be a really good team I did not I mean I had some questions obviously like I always do um when you're having hypotheticals when you're predicting a season for a team this team is far better than I thought that they were going to be. And that's that's a really high bar that I'm setting for this team because I already thought that they were going to be really good. Um, I actually think this is a great team, okay? It's still early, um, obviously super small sample size. The season just started, but there's a lot of things that I'm going to bring up and explain why. I feel this way about the Cleveland Cavaliers, right? So opening night, it's the Cavs versus the Toronto Raptors at Toronto, right? It's the first game. So I get to have a good glimpse of the Raptors, right? Because I haven't covered them yet. I haven't been watching a lot of their, I haven't been watching, frankly, any of their games yet. Uh, but that will likely be the next team I'm going to cover uh, because I like what I'm seeing. And I kind of want to touch the fan bases uh, that probably don't get a lot of talk right? Like the Raptors are a, a good, solid, awesome young team mixed in with some vets. Um, and they can make some noise for sure in the playoffs and obviously the regular season. So that's probably going to be my next team to cover, uh, after, after this one's done. Right. So, uh, obviously the starting lineup for the Cleveland Cavaliers, Donovan Mitchell, Darius Garland, Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, and Evan Mobley, right? That looks to be the starting lineup that's going to be pretty normal, right? Pretty standard. And it was an amazing game, okay? We need this playoff series, like today, okay? Uh, the Raptors and the Cavs are both teams that just, I mean, it, it, was, it was a skilled game. It was physical. It was intense. It was everything and more. This game had game seven energy, right? Both teams so hungry for success. T 
taking that leap into the next year, uh, it truly was a breath of fresh air, right? To see so much young slash established talent go at it at such a high level, right? But back to Donovan Mitchell, right? The, the, the Cleveland Cavaliers analysis, right? Which is what this is really about. So one game in, I'm already thinking Donovan Mitchell is everything this team needed. Right. But after Darius Garland went down with an eye injury, mind you, I'm giving you guys my thoughts as I watch these games. This isn't me telling you what I think right now. I'm giving you my thought process as I watch each game that I'm giving you. So at this point, right, game one, I'm thinking, okay, Darius Garland goes down with an eye injury. Immediately you see Raul Neto, right, come off the bench while Donovan Mitchell's resting. Immediately the question came to mind. Okay, well, <clears throat> the question was, you know, if Raul Neto is the option off the bench, should the Cavs just try Darius Garland off the bench just for a bigger punch while Donovan rests? It was just the first game, right? But the Cavs looked perfectly fine without Darius Garland alongside Mitchell, right? And it'll help the backcourt size in general if both Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland aren't out there at the same time. That's just me always looking for ways to find the best version of a team, right? A team can be fine, right? They can be really good, but I'm always looking to see, okay, what's the best version of a team that I can make, right? Like, how can I change things around to make this the best version of itself, right? Now, it might not be something they do because before Mitchell, Garland really was the guy for the Cavs and Garland's awesome, okay? Uh, Ricky Rubio, obviously still recovering from his ACL tear from last year supposedly might not be back until late December, maybe January. Uh, but this is a second ACL tear in the same knee, right? So Ricky Rubio now 32 years old. And even when he does come back for the Cavs, he has to ease back into play anyways. Right now, I know I tore my ACL a while ago, right? And I'm not comparing myself to NBA players, obviously. Um, but that fear of tearing your ACL doesn't go away for a long time, right, when you finally start playing, and I can't imagine tearing my ACL a second time, right, like, I can't imagine what that would do to my mindset, right, and that's exactly the obstacle that Ricky Rubio is going through, this is the second time he tears, I think, the same ACL, so, you know, it's just one of those things, you know, that you got to think about, uh, yeah, you know, they, they might have some depth when Ricky Rubio comes back, but, you know, he's going to ease back into play, he's not going to really most likely be himself for a while, right? Um, and, you know, just just concerns regarding that backcourt depth. But, you know, all in all, in this game, Donovan Mitchell was amazing, you know? He really showed up. Not only did he play hard, but he played well on defense, right? Which is what I'm looking for the most in him this season. You know, he scored at will. This game went down to the final seconds. Mitchell looked exhausted at the end, right? Uh, Cavs went cold at the wrong time, and they started to throw the ball away, take bad shots, which eventually led to a Raptors win. But this was Game 7 energy through and through, back and forth. But, you know, Donovan Mitchell went off so hard throughout this game that it was towards the end where he kind of started to slow down, right? He looked really tired. And, you know, without going too deep into this game, uh, it was just, it was an awesome start. I really liked what I saw from Donovan Mitchell defensively, which is going to be a topic over and over as I cover this team. And, you know, I got everything I needed out of that one game, right? And I'm thinking, okay, 
Cavs lost, but you know, they played at Toronto. It's opening night. Uh, you know, they they lost Garland early in the game. I think it was like four minutes into the game. And, you know, Donovan Mitchell kind of still learning, you know, on court in a regular season game where, where it's finally, where the games finally count, you know, think it's an adjustment period, right? And so we get the next game, right? Cavs Bulls, right? So the Bulls are coming back from the second night of a back-to-back, right? So I'm automatically thinking at this point, okay, this could potentially be a blowout, right? Now, since obviously that was me going back and watching those games, I know the score, but that's usually my thought process, right? When teams are playing on the second night of a back-to-back, for the most part, if you're a betting person, you can really snatch a lot of wins betting against the team that's playing on the second night of a back-to-back. It's just, it's just really good odds for you. Um, that it's just how it goes for the most part, right? So obviously Darius Garland is out because he injured his eye. Um, I think it was uh, Gary Trent Jr. that injured his eye accidentally, uh, and so no Darius Garland right for the for uh because of that Raptors game injury and so the starters for the team this time on the Cavs it's Donovan Mitchell it's Karis LeVert Isaac Okoro uh Evan Mobley and Jared Allen right so here I'm thinking okay this is Okoro's shot to to show you know what what he can do if he were to be put in the starting lineup right Kevin Love was on fire just shooting the ball shooting the lights out okay Jetty Osman just showing his value on this team as a guy that's going to show effort. He's going to knock down shots. He's moving without the ball. He's cutting for easy basket opportunities. Karis LeVert's been great to start the season. No surprise. I did mention before on a prior pod, this is his contract year. So the Cavs could, should see a big season from him, right? Now it was a beat down throughout, right? It wasn't that fun of a game to watch because I don't like watching blowouts. Uh, and the Cavs look like the better team. Right, even without Darius Garland, which is really, which is really promising, right? It's really good to see, uh, you know, the talent and skill surrounding Donovan Mitchell is just scary. Okay, he has Kevin Love to kick it out to or drop it in the post, right? He has lob options with Evan Mobley or Jared Allen. He has Evan Mobley who he can just give it up to in the post or play pick and roll, right? Or pick and pop. It's also no surprise how difficult it was for the Bulls to score in the mid range. Because of all the ground that Jared Allen and Evan Mobley cover, right? Like if you beat Donovan Mitchell, if you beat Karis LeVert, if you beat Isaac Okoro, they have these two mobile towers that recover quickly and put fear in any player that's trying to attack the basket, right? Uh, it's just amazing to me, actually, how quickly Donovan Mitchell has adapted to his new teammates. And like just knowing where they are pretty much at all times, He's been passing the ball in ways that make you think that he's been on the Cavs his entire career, okay? It helps, though, when the guys he passes the ball to are skilled, right? But he really is making some awesome passes, right? Just from him attacking the basket, finding shooters, the lobs have been on point, the pick-and-roll drop-off passes, just any passes you can think of. He basically makes it with these guys. Now, the Cavs are up like 20, Right? And I'm still seeing Donovan Mitchell sprinting back on defense. Right, Second game of the season, and his effort level is so high. Really approaching this season the way he talked about it on, the, on J.J. Reddick's podcast, which if you haven't heard my last, uh, my last couple episodes, uh, it was called Podcast Reaction Tour uh, featuring Donovan Mitchell. Highly recommend you give that episode a listen as well. 
because it goes hand in hand with this pod. Okay. So, you know, Cavs obviously just destroy the Bulls. They make quick work out of them. Um, and so now I'm watching Cavs versus the Wizards. This is the first home game for the Cavs. Um, side note for the Wizards before getting into this Cavs stuff, a ton of offense was being run without a touch for Bradley Beal. I found that strange, but I also understand that like if your entire team is productive, Bradley Beal has an easier job down the stretch, right? But the talent on the team just isn't enough, okay? That's obvious. You know, they clearly need more. It's a mediocre team as usual. You know, it, you're going to see some interesting wins. You're going to see some obvious losses. It's just a team that I just don't believe in, never do, and probably never will, <laughs> you know? Um, but anyways, first home game for the Cavs, starting lineup for the Cavs here. Obviously, still no Darius Garland because of that eye injury. So Mitchell, Okoro, Levert, Evan Mobley, Jared Allen, right? Now, this is their first back-to-back, right? They played the Bulls the night before, and here they are at home playing against the Wizards, right? So like I said before, usually you want to bet against the team that's coming back on the second night of a back-to-back, even if it is the Wizards playing them. You can really make some money betting on the team that's playing against the team coming back from a back-to-back. Right. It's just how it goes. But in this case, okay, um, you know, my mission this game is to look at the effort level, right? Because in a game like this one, where it's your second night in a row, uh, but you're at home, I can see how a team might take their foot off the gas just a little bit, right? Uh, playing against the Wizards, who at this point they were two and one, right? And this early in the season, you're gonna get the best effort from the Wizards, right? Uh, the Wizards won a close game against the Bulls two nights before this game, so they got a day of rest before they played the Cavs. So it looks pretty, like a pretty smooth uh, game for the Wizards, right? If they can just play a tired Cavs roster and obviously no Darius Garland. So Donovan Mitchell's playing like an MVP candidate, and I know it's early, right? But he looks great, okay? Throughout these games, just seeing him communicate on defense, run the offense, Picking his spots. The ball movement's been awesome to watch. I would love to see more offense away from Mitchell, right? To preserve him. Uh, the Cavs move the ball a lot, okay? And I love that. Uh, but I do see the Cavs relying on Mitchell a little too often, right? More often than I'd like to see. You know, for this team to be at its best, it needs to be able to get things done with minimal usage on Mitchell, right? So that if the game gets tight, Mitchell has all that preserved energy to put in late in the game to close games out right so Kevin Love's been absolutely necessary for the Cavs up to this point right he comes off the bench shoots the lights out he's a veteran presence he's a sleeper for six man of the year at this point with the way he's playing and if he plays like this all year long um you know he's been awesome you know Jetty Osman over and over again making things happen for the Cavs, whether it's shot making, ball movement, or just showing energy. You got Robin Lopez still in the NBA, still being a solid role player on this team. The nickname that the Cavs broadcast team gives Robin Lopez is Captain Hook, because in the post, he's always throwing up hook shots. Uh, He can get you some buckets in the post. He does the dirty work. He's a veteran presence. He sets brick wall screens. Um, Up to this point, Okoro just has not been able to knock down a three. He's getting some really open looks, and it's probably because teams are leaving him open because they know he can't really shoot. 
And if Okoro can just knock shots down, the Cavs will be even scarier because teams are leaving him just wide open, right? And they're winning on that gamble like every time. Uh, Evan Mobley hasn't been that great up until this point. Um, Like he's had flashes, but he hasn't been what we expected the year two leap to be just yet, right? And I understand that, right? Because you bring a guy like Mitchell on your team, it instantly shifts the pecking order, right? So much so that even your number one guy last season, which was Darius Garland, he has to take a backseat to Mitchell. So then whoever was taking uh, more opportunities after Garland last year, now they have to have opportunities after Mitchell, after Garland, right? So the pecking order really shifts when you add a guy like Donovan Mitchell. But this is a good thing. You know, when you limit responsibilities on talented players, you can really get a lot from them, you know, because their energy isn't being used so much. Um, You're not asking so much from them either, but it could also be a learning curve. And that's what I'm seeing with Evan Mobley, right? Kind of figuring out how to, how to be productive while not getting so much opportunity or responsibility, right? So it's really interesting to see how he adjusts as the season goes on, right? Um, So far, the teams look awesome. And I can't even imagine what they're going to look like at their peak uh, in terms of chemistry, right? Now, there was a play in the third quarter where Donovan Mitchell's guarding Monte Morris. Kristaps Porzingis comes to set a screen. Mitchell quickly gets around it, right? Comes back on Monte Morris. Monte Morris asks for a rescreen, right? So Kristaps comes back, sets another screen right away. Mitchell spins around Kristaps Porzingis, gets back on Monte, who hits a three over Mitchell. But Donovan Mitchell was all over him, you know. So, yes, the shot went in, but this is the effort that Mitchell has been showing so far. You know, and it sends a message to the opposing teams down the line. If you're mismatch hunting, Donovan Mitchell will put up a fight now. And he won't just put up a fight. He'll put up a great fight at that, right? Side note, I love Karis LeVert. He's a bucket. Super fun to watch. Has a street ball vibe to him. But if there was a stat for most missed shots after breaking someone's ankles, <laughs> Karis LeVert probably would lead the league in that stat, right? Like the dude will break your ankles, but then miss the shot, right? To put the icing on the cake for highlights. He's a scorer, no doubt about it. But he would have so many more highlights if he converted on the shots he puts up after crossing people because he is crossing dudes like nearly every time he has the ball. He's just not finishing, right? And so, but he's still so good. Uh, Dean Wade, obviously being shot ready. His shot form looks so nice. He really provides depth for this team and size. He spaces the floor nicely for the Cavs. Him and Jetty Osman in this game really moved the ball, the ball well. Um, you know, the game went to overtime. The entire game looked like the Cavs were in control though. But it was an OT where it felt like the the wizard the lizards where the wizards had this game right. But Kuzma missed both of his free throws down the stretch. Mitchell gets a tough and one bucket uh, to go ahead 108 106. Donovan Mitchell intercepts a pass in in such a, a crucial moment in overtime. He throws it to Seti, to Jetty Oseman, uh, who goes to the other side, lays it up and gets fouled. Um, makes the and one, makes his free throw. You know, basically. The game gets shut down, right? That's it. The Cavs win it in overtime. It was awesome. It was great to see a team come back to the second night of a back-to-back without their second best player in Darius Garland and win the game, right? So Cavs win again. 
my thoughts after that game, Evan Mobley needs to get stronger because it looks like he's really getting pushed around uh, probably too often. Uh, but anyways, moving on. Uh, I then watched Cavs versus Magic, right? This is the second home game. Uh, the starters for this one, they kind of swapped it up. No Okoro. On this lineup, it's Donovan Mitchell. It's Karis LeVert. It's Dean Wade, uh, Evan Mobley, and Jared Allen, right? Dean Wade in the starting lineup is a W move, okay? Starting from the fact that he can shoot the ball, he's 6'9", and it's also a W move considering the fact that Okoro just hasn't been great in terms of shooting. Like, he can't even, he hasn't even knocked down a three at this point, uh, which is wild considering how open he's been, right? Time and time again. Um, initial thoughts are, I fully expect the Cavs to win this game because they're just far better than this young Magic team, right? This is a game where I want to see the Cavs go at a team that they're far and above better than and just snatch a nice, comfortable win without much of a struggle, right? And especially since the Magic didn't have Markel Fultz, there was no Mo Wagner, there was no Jalen Suggs, no Gary Harris, and no Jonathan Isaac, which... I feel like I don't even have to mention that there's no Jonathan Isaac since he's pretty much been injured his entire career, which is just sad, you know, honestly. Uh, this was the first bad game for Donovan Mitchell. He couldn't hit shots, but it was a team effort, right? He was still finding his teammates. He was playmaking. He was making great skip passes to Lavert, skip passes to Dean Wade, some standard but great pick and roll passes. He had a sick dunk going around Ter uh, Terrence Ross who's been on the Magic since, like, the day I was born, um, you know, reminds Cleveland fans that they not only have a go-to guy in Donovan Mitchell, but an exciting one at that, right? This was against the depleted Magic roster. That's already not going to be a great team as it is. But nonetheless, the Cavs played really well together. Paolo really kept the Magic in the game, right? He was going at Jared Allen. He was going at Evan Mobley. He was playing good defense. Uh, but this is a Cavs analysis, right? So I don't want to stray from that. Uh, the Magic fought well, as depleted as they were. Uh, and the game was pretty close uh, for a while, for a long time. I'd say probably until the fourth quarter, right? And Karis LeVert had, has been just playmaking. He's been like a, just another point guard for this team, uh, which is perfect, right? Because they're going to need playmaking outside of Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland. You know, to keep making the entire team a threat, right? To keep the Cavs unpredictable, you need other guys to make things happen, right? And it was a competitive game. It was back and forth. It was the fourth quarter where the Cavs pulled away. And I'm noticing late into the games, even in that fourth quarter where they pulled away, they, they make a lot of dumb mistakes, like back to back to back. And it's like, are they just tired or maybe just out of focus at times? I don't know, you know, but but I've seen that happen a little bit. And it's something to maybe be worried about as the season goes on for the Cavs. But obviously, they close, they seal the deal, they close the game, and they win it again, right? Um, obviously, I then turn my attention to the first matchup of Cavs-Celtics, right? Which was, I mean, th this game was awesome. Okay, and this was the first Cavs-Celtics matchup. Remember, the 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 most recent one. Their second time meeting was yesterday. But anyways, uh, talking about their first matchup, right? This was the game where Karis LeVert went off for 41 points. Donovan Mitchell matched it with 41 points. 
Um, obviously, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown went off as well. It was super competitive. It was a tight game. Uh, you know, it was just, it was an amazing game. You know, like like when you watch these two teams, the talent is so spread out, one through five, right? And the coaching is, even Joe Masula, you know, young coach, obviously the youngest coach in the NBA right now, the coaching, the changes, the the, you know, just coaches adapting, changing up the style, changing up the game plan on the fly. You really see the chess match. You see the high level skill out there on the court. Any player that has the ball that doesn't have the ball, every player's doing something with purpose. There's a plan. Uh, you know, it, it was just like, like I said, it was, it was a game seven vibe. And I really hope these teams meet up, you know, uh, that game went to overtime. Obviously, uh, like I said, both teams played well. They played hard as units. Um, you know, it's just, it was awesome to see the Cavs snatch a win in overtime in Boston, right? Really sends a message to the Celtics and the rest of the Eastern Conference, right? This Cavs team is, dare I say, top three in the Eastern Conference. I'm looking right now, right? Um, as of right now, right? They just beat the Celtics again, and I'm going to talk about that before at the end of this, of this episode. Um, you know, the Cavs and the Celtics are like neck and neck, top three to me, right? I have the Bucks far and above better than those two. Um, I, I have since the beginning of the season, preseason, all that good stuff, and I'm not falling on that. Obviously, as of right now, the Bucks are the only undefeated team in the NBA. No surprise to me. Um, but you know, it's the Bucks, and then it's everyone else for me. So right below the Bucks are just a group of three teams, in my opinion. And those three teams, which I thought would have been the Sixers, after watching the Sixers play uh, the last few games and the start to their season, and seeing problems come back, you know, and and some new problems come up as well. Um, you know, you start to kind of feel feel not so good about picking the Sixers to do something crazy this year, right? Um, you just start to, you know, uh, you start to think about it, right? Because the three teams I have now, it used to be the Sixers right below the Bucks for me, but now it's it's a group of the Celtics, the Raptors. Yes, the Toronto Raptors are in this top three group, in my opinion. You want to say I'm overreacting? This is a Raptors that we cannot sleep on. Okay, this is a team we cannot sleep on. And that's going to be my next team to cover, actually. Now, just me talking about it on this pod, it, it really sparked that. Okay, uh, the next team I'm going to be covering are the Toronto Raptors, for sure. Let's stamp that and be ready for some Toronto Raptors coverage. I'm going to try to look around for some... Uh, for an interview for a player from the Toronto Raptors to kind of start that off like I did with Donovan Mitchell on the podcast reaction tour. So there will be a podcast reaction tour episode for a Raptors player that I can find if I can find a good one. And after that, I'll do my obviously analysis on the Raptors. So anyways, back to this episode. Sorry, going on a tangent. But yeah, so the Bucks ahead and then the Cavs, the Celtics and the Raptors are just in that collective, uh, the next like in that top three, right? The the Cavs, Celtics, and Raptors kind of battling it out for the for those slots, right? So, 
um, you know, we get the Celtics-Cavs rematch, which was last night, you know, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, now the Celtics obviously still don't have Robert Williams, and they probably won't have him until like January or All-Star, who knows, but the, the Cavs get Darius Garland back, and they're saying he's going to be on a minutes restriction before the game starts, so I'm thinking to myself, okay, he might not have a good game. Um, because, you know, he's coming back, he's got that eye situation, supposedly when he looks to his left, it's like really blurry, that's what the broadcast was talking about, that he was talking to the, to some reporters about it, um, but anyways, this was an awesome game, man, just this, these two teams picking up where they left off, uh, when they met the first time, you know, uh, just seeing Darius Garland just absolutely destroy was just awesome. It was like, it was like, what do you do? You know, uh, Darius Garland in his first full game back, I had my concerns about Mitchell and Garland in the backcourt in terms of defense, right? But even if you do get by them, you have Mobley and Allen as the towers of defense, right? To clean up any mistakes, any, any people that got beat, um, trying to defend Donovan Mitchell has been totally different, right? on defense so far. This dude is sprinting back on defense. He's showing up solid on closeouts. He's poking the ball away, which by the way, he's always been a good uh a good player on the side of stealing the ball, right? He 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 did average, I think it was like two steals a game last season. I'm not even looking at that right now, but yes. Pokes the ball, has pretty active hands, so he has that skill as well. So the effort is there. He's playing at a higher level of defense than I ever even thought he could in the NBA. And if this is the defense we're going to get out of Donovan Mitchell, then the Darius Garland weak link concerns are out the window for me, right? Because if you only have to kind of hide Darius Garland and all Darius Garland has to do is just show a little bit of effort defensively, this team's going to be fine, right? But back to this recent Celtics-Cavs game, right? So watching Evan Mobley or Jared Allen finding themselves being guarded by Marcus Smart or Malcolm Brogdon or Grant Williams in the post... And seeing them just turn around and dunking like nobody was even there guarding them in the first place, it made me wonder, why didn't the Cavs abuse that advantage like way more often? I would see them somehow find themselves switched with Marcus Smart on one of those two bigs in the post right under the rim. And they were kind of going for perimeter point, for perimeter scoring and things like that, you know. And the few times that you saw the ball find itself in the post, they would just dunk it like with ease. It was so easy. You know, I'm not an old school type of guy, but when you play a team like Boston that needs to use all five players collectively to defend because they're undersized, when you're an undersized team, you have to play team defense, like hyper team defense. Like you have to help each other more so than other teams because you have to make up for the lack of size, right? So you, so when you're playing a team like that, against a team like that. You need to get touches in the post on almost every possession. Why? Not because I'm telling you, oh, feed the big man or like that old school thought process. No, no, no. You want touches in the post on almost every possession because you want Boston to work and tire themselves out trying to recover, trying to show double teaming, having to run back and close out on shooters. You want them to get tired. You want them to work right? If they don't show effort on help defense, Jared Allen or Mobley are scoring, okay? Now, if you overhelp 
and try to help on Jared Allen and Mobley in the post. You're leaving wide open shooters that can kill you. Darius Garland can knock down threes. Karis Levert is streaky, but he can knock down shots. Uh, obviously, Donovan Mitchell, you can't leave him open. So in this matchup, the Cavs can really destroy the Celtics for that exact reason. You know, even when Robert Williams comes back, he's going to help solve a lot of problems for Boston. But the Cavs are a deeper team. They're a team with more options to play. And J.B. Bickerstaff, to me, is the better coach as well, right? I mean, these two dudes, Jared Allen and, and Evan Mobley, can just pretty much turn around and dunk the ball without jumping, right? Boston's so undersized that it's a lot to handle to play the Cavs like that. Uh, they have to play twice as hard, like I said, to make up for the lack of size. So that's what I'm saying, right? And so here's my breakdown on these Cavs, right? They have so many options, right? Like, you have to play twice as hard to make up for the lack of size. We talked about that against the Cavs, right? You have to make sure you don't get cooked by Darius Garland. You have to make sure you, you don't get cooked by Donovan Mitchell. If those two happen to have an off night, here's Karis LeVert, who can drop 25 on you in any game. This team is deep. The team is exciting. This team has answers for any team in the Eastern Conference. You want to play big against the Cavs? Cool. Cleveland has two towers in Jared Allen and Evan Mobley, right? You want to play small? Cool. The Cavs have a lineup of Kevin Love, Dean Wade, with Garland, Mitchell, and Karis LeVert. All five can shoot. All five can finish inside, etc., right? They can, they, can, they, can, they can score inside, right? That's, a, that's also just a good, a good strength of theirs as well. You want to play slow? Cleveland has Donovan Mitchell, who can get a bucket for himself in any situation in half-court offense. You have Kevin Love, who you can drop it to in the post. He can, he can, you can get him open, right, with a bunch of screens. You can just give him open opportunities for shots or just feed it to him in the post. Like I said, you have Jared Allen, who can score in the post, or, or lobs. You have Mobley, who can score in the post, or he can shoot as well. This team can play fast. This team can play slow. This team can play big. I mean, the options. This team has infinite pick-and-roll opportunities, right? Like varieties. Just think about it. You can have a pick-and-roll with Donovan Mitchell and Evan Mobley to get the defense to come out more, right? Because they have to show out on Mobley. Mobley can shoot mid-range jumpers. You have to also be focused on Mitchell, who can shoot threes, he can kill you in the mid-range, or he can finish at the rim. By the way, Darius Garland's standing out there on the three-point line, hoping you leave him to help on that pick and roll. Karis LeVert is a constant threat who's never shy to look for buckets, right? So he's shot ready, right? Uh, and then you have Jared Allen, by the way, who I still haven't even named in this whole explanation, backdoor cutting for a possible lob. So it's just a lot to figure out when you're defending the Cavs. It is a handful. It's stressful. It's a headache for coaches and teams. You really have to be playing your A game to beat a team that has this many options, right? They just have so many options to play a game. Like, what more can you ask for when you have a team like that? I've only watched a small sample size. It's just the beginning of the season, but man, this is a top three team in the East. You can lock that in right now. My questions I had leading up until the end of this rematch game last night are still here though, right? And that's what makes me think this team won't make the finals, right? Like that's what kind of keeps me from picking them to win it all. They really fall into hero ball at random times that make no sense, right? Like 
I just don't understand. You have a solid lineup, literally one through five. Any player can make something happen. Garland, Levert, Mitchell will either, they can go through at least two possessions each, okay, where they try ISOs or or just heat checks, right? And that leads to teams coming back on them sometimes, especially when all three go cold on those heat checks. My concern is their mistakes pile up so much that teams get back into games. So my two questions, one, are they consistently going to play as a team and minimize the heat checks? And question number two, will they stay focused throughout 48 minutes? That's all it's really going to come down to. I don't want to obviously state the obvious, like, yeah, they have to stay healthy. Yeah, no, 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 duh. Like, of course, that's always a factor. Um, this game went to overtime just like the last one. It was amazing. Uh, Donovan Mitchell was really good, but Darius Garland was the MVP for Cleveland. He was solid. Evan Mobley and Jared Allen just <laughs> reminding the Celtics how badly they need Robert Williams. Um, it was awesome. Okay, this 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 was the best game of the season, in my opinion. Um, maybe, I don't know, that's probably going out on a limb, but I think of all the games I've watched for the Cavs, this was the best game, yesterday's game, you know, it was that good, and highly recommend if you have League Pass, go back and watch their first matchup, go back and watch the opening game against the Raptors, that was a sick game, that game was awesome as well, and also watch the rematch from last night if you haven't, those three games for the Cavs, super entertaining, Awesome. They all go down to the wire. Just a lot of skill. And yeah, man, I mean, that was a fun analysis I did on the Cavs. I hope you guys enjoy I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Um, that's gonna do it for this one, though. Like I said uh earlier, I'm gonna be covering the Raptors next, gonna be watching, catching up on their games, do a little analysis, obviously have a podcast reaction tour for a Raptors player uh before I drop that episode. And yeah, uh, this is the All Things Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Vic Lopez, as always, and I'll catch you guys on the next one.